Welcome to Music with a Mission, where we perpetuate and promote the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. In this edition, we take you inside a session of the annual music ministry workshop, Spirited and Spiritual Praise, taught by choir director and worship leader, Dorian Johnson. who I am, so I'll introduce myself. My name is Dorian Johnson. Uh, my primary responsibility working in the music ministry is working with the Youth Praise Choir, and um, I oftentimes get the privilege of helping to direct the Adult Praise Choir from time to time, and I also help out with worship here at the church as well. And we are going to actually be discussing the topic this morning, Spirited and Spiritual Praise. Spirited and spiritual praise. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. And we ask that as we go into your word that you would come. And God, that you would illuminate your word to us today. That you would shine the light of your word on our hearts. So that every dark place, Lord, might become part of your light. We do thank you for this opportunity to gather and to learn of you. And we ask that ultimately all of what we learn and all that what we do would be for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as way of sort of introduction, one thing that I always like to do is I always like to define the terms that we're talking about. And so the terms that we are discussing this morning are spirited. Hope I'm writing big enough for you in the back to see. Spiritual praise. And now is the time where we really get to be a class. I want to hear some different definitions from people 
about what these three words mean. So we'll start with the first one, spirited. What? Give me some definitions of what that word means, quickly. Yes. Alive. Lively, okay. Anyone else? Just shout it out. Inspiring. Animated, I heard. Full of life. Anyone else? Oh, say it again. <laughs> Joyful, okay. Anything else? Passionate, okay. All right, it's enough there. How about spiritual? Spiritual, yes. Holy Spirit, okay. Anyone else? Reverent, okay. Wisdom, heard godly up here. Say that again, I'm sorry. God nature, okay. Full of the spirit. Spirit led, okay. Understanding the things of God. I'm not going to, I'm just going to put in understanding. Pardon my handwriting. God rules, okay. Heavenly, all right. Prophetic, okay. Say that again. In truth, okay. I think that's all for that one. And praise. Praise. Thanksgiving. Adoration. Did I hear exaltation? Okay. Anyone else? Say that again. L. L A U O. Loud. Oh, loud, okay. <laughs> ah. Loud, okay. Offering, okay. Anyone else? Honor, okay. All right, so all of those are terms that, in thinking of these three words that we're looking at, are things that come to mind. I'll give you just the dictionary definition of this. Merriam-Webster Dictionary says that spirited means full of energy. I think that was, someone said lively. It also talks about animation. Looking at Strong's Concordance, when you look up the word spiritual, it has many different uh, connotations and meanings throughout the Bible. It talks about relating to the human spirit, a rational soul, as part of the man which is akin to God and serves as his instrument or organ. Uh, belonging to a spirit or being higher than man but inferior to God, belonging to the divine spirit, when we're talking about God, the Holy Spirit, uh, one who is filled with and governed by the spirit of God is someone who is deemed as spiritual. And then praise, the dictionary, Merriam-Webster dictionary defines it as to express a favorable judgment of, to bestow honor, admiration, uh, to glorify, especially by uh, attributing something, it, and it relate, relates to worship and assigning worth to something. And so, obviously, we know that that word worship means actually worship, meaning that, that that object that we are worshiping is worthy of our adoration. It's worthy of our praise. And so, oftentimes in our circles, particularly charismatic circles, we can 
hear a term spirited and spiritual praise, and sometimes we can gravitate towards the spirited part of it, meaning that we think that because um, everyone's happy, <laughs> everyone's jumping, everyone's joyful, it's loud, it's lively, it's animated, that it is worship that God is accepting. It's worship that God is in the midst of. And oftentimes we can think that that is the measure by which we deem something as being spiritual, is by how loud it is, or how many people seem to be having a good time, or how many people seem to be engaged in what's going on at that moment. But we have examples throughout the Bible where people were engaged in something at the moment and were excited. If you were to turn to Exodus 32, 15 through 19, it describes a scene where Moses comes down from the mountain with Joshua after receiving the Ten Commandments. And as they're coming down, Joshua says to Moses, 32, yes, he says, Joshua says to Moses that it's the sound of, the, a sound of war in the camp. And as they're coming down, Moses says, no, that's not the sound of war. That's the sound of singing. And at that moment in time, the people, as we know, had erected a golden calf and were in, indulging their flesh and were celebrating and were animated and were, were very spirited in their worship of that idol. But obviously we know that that was very unspiritual praise. Amen? If you go to the New Testament, if you looked in Acts 16, verses 16 through 18, you'll see the story about Paul walking along and a slave girl coming along beside him. And every time she would come, she would say, these men are telling you the truths of God. These men are from God. These men are, are here declaring the works of God. And, and we know later on in that story, Paul ends up casting a demon out of her because she was being animated by another spirit. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. So even though her praise seemed to be very spirited and she was saying the right things in terms of it being the truth, we know that that was an unspiritual praise. And so in those two examples, we see that even though the, there is liveliness, there was animation, there was passion, there was life, that the objects of that worship or the motivation behind that worship in terms of the slave girl's example were not God. And we can get into a place where we think that because something is a certain way or because we've experienced worship in a certain way or praise in a certain way, that God is accepting it. And so these are two examples of one, the Israelites obviously weren't desiring God. They were worshiping this idol. This slave girl was being um, controlled by another spirit. But what about when we're sincere? When we're sincere about desiring God. When we're sincere about worshiping God, where God is our object of worship and we desire to honor him. And that's what we're going to look at very closely today. And so if you could turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. And we will spend some time here as well as in 1 Chronicles 
chapters 13 and probably more often in 15. First Samuel, or I'm sorry, Second Samuel chapter 6. And just to give you some background on what we are about to read, many of you probably know this story. And this is the story of when David brings the ark back to Jerusalem. If you know the history of Israel, the ark had been taken into the land of the Philistines when the Philistines had defeated Israel. Eli and his sons died during this battle, and the Philistines took the ark into, um, into, their, into their country, and God wreaked havoc in their country, and so they ended up sending the, cart, or the ark back to the Israelites, and it ended up in a place called Kariath Jerim, where it stayed for 20 years. Saul, who becomes king of Israel, after this occurs, never calls for the ark of God. And if you know what the ark of God represented, it represented the presence of God. Um, inside of the ark were the Ten Commandments. Um, there was also uh, the, the rod that had budded. That was Aaron's rod. Inside also was um, a dish of, of the manna that God had provided for the people in the desert. All reminders of what God had done in the history of the country. And so that ark represented God being with the people. And yet during the reign of Saul, it was never called for. Saul never inquired about how to get it back to, um, to himself and, and into the middle of his kingdom. And yet the first thing that we see David doing as king is calling for the ark to be brought back to a place where God could be in the midst of his people and represented in the midst of his people. And we see this beginning to play out in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Starting at verse 1, it says, David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from, the, from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and, Ahi- and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were making merry before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had burst forth against Uzzah, and that place was called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And so we see here a sincere man of God, David, who wanted God's presence, who wanted to bring the ark of God back into uh, Jerusalem, which would be uh, the place where he would hopefully be able to build the temple. And yet in this scene, we end up seeing a man dying as a result. And we see David questioning how, if, if even his sincerity 
and his desire to bring the presence of God back into a place of, of where it could be honored and where it could be known to all the people. If his sincerity, if God honored his sincerity by putting a man to death, then how? How could that ark ever come back? He thought he had done everything correctly. And so just going to give you, th- we're going to go over three characteristics very quickly of true spirited and spiritual praise using this, this story from the Bible. TSC Music Radio's Music with a Mission, and you're listening to a session of the annual Music Ministry Workshop. Awesome teaching by Dorian Johnson. We'll continue when Music with a Mission returns. Join the Seniors Ministry in prayer with Pastor Ben Crandall leading the charge. The Seniors Prayer Meetings are Wednesdays from noon to 1 in room 203. All ages are welcome. The Seniors Lunch and Fellowship is from 1 to 3 p.m. in room 201 and is open to everyone 65 and over. For details and updates, check our website, tscnyc.org. Story from the Bible. The first point is that true spirited and spiritual praise must first have a proper view of God. It must have a proper view of God. God had prescribed to the the people of Israel how his ark was to be transported. He had given them these instructions. You can find it in Exodus 19, 16 through 25. He tells them when they're constructing this ark that there are to be poles Made and they are to line the sides of the of the ark because the ark was to be carried by the Levites. It wasn't to be put on a cart. It was to be carried by the people that God had chosen to be his ministers. And so the very first thing that David didn't do was that he didn't look at what the law of God was. He was presumptuous in thinking that they could put it on a new cart and transport it into Jerusalem. And if you look at it even closer and you know the background of the story that the Philistines, because God had done all these things, they put the ark on a cart and then they tied it to some cows and just sent the cows off. Now think of the faith that they had to have that this ark was going to (laughs) leave. Cows just don't move when you want them to move. (laughs) You usually have to drive them. And yet God demonstrated to them as well as the people of Israel that I don't need your help. But what do we find on the other side when they're bringing the ark back into Jerusalem? Uzzah and his brother are driving the cart. They are actually driving the cart. And so when people would see the ark coming back into Jerusalem, they wouldn't just see the ark, they would see Uzzah and his brother. When we are praising God, we should not be seen. (laughs) As Derek often says in his podcast, if we put the messenger before the message, we failed. And so what they were saying, even though they were sincere in what they were doing, even though they were sincere in in wanting to honor God by putting it on a new cart, they were saying, in essence, 
that we are here to assist God in doing what he wants to do. When God has said, the only people I'm going to assist are the ones that I've chosen to do what I've called them to do. He says that he will not share his glory with another. He won't be seen. He won't allow us to be seen if we are truly giving praise to him. Secondly, true and spirited, true spirited and spiritual praise must have a proper view of ourselves. We must realize that we are required to obey. We are called to obedience. David's reaction to this at first was that he was upset and angry. But something changes once David realizes his error. If you could go to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 1 Chronicles chapter 15. And it's starting at verse 1. It says, David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said that no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God. For the Lord had chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister to him forever. And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. If we skip down to verse 12 and it says and this is David speaking to all of the priests it says you are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites consecrate yourselves you and your brothers so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord the God of Israel to the place that I have prepared for it because you do, did not carry it the first time the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not seek him according to the rules to the rule. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with poles, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. We can't seek God the way that we want to. And part of it is, if we looked at just the uh, fact that we are called children of God, we are adopted by God. And if you think about physical adoption, what happens in physical adoption is that the parent goes and finds and chooses the adopted child, right? And that child is brought into that family and is treated and is part of that family. They receive the benefits of being in that family. They receive the name of that family. But also they have to come under the authority and the rule of the parents of that family. They have to learn what it means to be a part of that family. And so if we are part of the children, if we are part of the family of God, if we are the children of God, then we have to abide by God's rules. And many people would say, oh, the law doesn't apply to us anymore. We're no longer under the law. And that's true. But I ask you, when did it become okay to lie? If we're no longer under the law, when did it become okay to steal? These are all found in the Ten Commandments, which we are no longer under. But no, God calls us to obedience. He requires obedience. God even equates obedience with love. John 14, 15 says what? If you love me, 
keep my commandments. And so we can't think that we are going to give honorable praise to God, that we are going to give praise that will cause others to want to know God or to see the power of God if we are not people who walk in obedience to God. It's impossible. And what is the result of David's obedience? Once again, the ark is brought in correctly. And once again, there is praise. There is spirited praise. And this time it's accepted. Because David did it God's way. He was not only sincere in his desire to serve God, but he was sincere in his desire to follow the way that God wanted it done. I heard it once said this, and I'll leave this topic quickly, but this about the, the, our obedience to God, that our keeping the law doesn't commend us before God, meaning that when we choose not to lie or not to steal, that we are any... Um, that we are gaining favor with God by doing it. No, that's not, not the point. I mean, God, God sent Christ for us, and he's our righteousness. Amen? It was his keeping of the law that we trust in now. So the law no, no longer commends us. It no longer condemns us either. Meaning that if we do break God's law, that we are immediately condemned and, and put out of God's presence forever. And, and to receive just punishment for sin. No, as children of God, we know that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, who gave himself for us. So we're neither commended nor condemned, but we're still commanded. <laughs> you understand that? We're not commended, we're not condemned, but we're commanded. TSC Music Radio's Music with a Mission, and you're listening to a session of the annual Music Ministry Workshop. We'll continue when Music with a Mission returns. God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. is and always will God be. God is able to God protect. Is God good. is power to change. God is a provider. God is Jesus. God is here. God now. is the one who loves you. God is merciful. God is the husband to the widow. God is the one with your hands. God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio, where God is. This is Carter Conlon from Times Square Church. In the Gospel of John, chapter 7, the people were gathering together and they were celebrating magnificent things that God had done in their lives and in their community in the past. Now, at the end of the days, Jesus Christ stood in the midst of all of this activity and he said these incredible words, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly, that means his inward parts, shall flow rivers of living water. I don't know about you, but I'm not content just in living in the past. God has to be an everyday present reality in my life. And if you're as thirsty as I often am, all you have to do is go into the prayer closet. That's what he said to do. Just come to me, and I will put something in you that is of life, hope, and of future. It is time to pray. 
To find a prayer meeting in your area, visit nycprayer.org. It's TSC Music Radio's Music with a Mission, and we are back taking you inside the annual music ministry workshop here at Times Square Church, Spirited and Spiritual Praise. Awesome first half of teaching, taught by choir director and worship leader Dorian Johnson. Let's take you back into the second half of Spirited versus Spiritual Praise. And that brings us to the third point, that true spiritual praise We'll get to the spirited part at a certain point, but true spiritual praise must meet in the person of Jesus Christ. Because when we look at God and we look at his holiness, we look at his perfection, we look at all that he is and his worthy attributes, which, meet, which causes his word to say that he is most worthy of praise, when we look at him, and we look at ourselves in light of the fact that we are full of sin by nature, that we don't want to obey God, that we don't want to be followers of God, that gap in itself is, is huge. And in fact, impossible to breach without the person of Jesus Christ. And so we must come to a place of finding our praise in Christ. We have been accepted. By Christ, we are called to repentance and full faith in the work that Christ did. And so unless we are trusting in the work of Christ, we can't offer true praise to God. Because somewhere mixed in that praise is praise of ourselves as well. Because obedience for obedience sake will get you nowhere. I mean, there are people walking on the street right now outside who are obedient to the law, just as we're called to be obedient to the law of, of this land and, and possibly might even measure up to some of the things that are here, but they are not trusting in Christ for their righteousness. And so their praise on that judgment day will be mixed with themselves because it'll be, look what I did. Look what I tried to do. Look what I tried to achieve. Look how I tried to keep your word, God. And that might even be in the mouths of some who contend they are his. But if we are truly seeing God as who he is and ourselves as who we are, we know and recognize that we can only trust in the work of Christ. That's where our righteousness comes from. And Christ can be seen in every part of the scene that we looked at. The ark representing the presence of God, which David wanted to bring to him. Christ is called what? Emmanuel, God with us. So no longer is he confined to a cart in one place, but he dwells in each of us by his spirit. The duties of the king, King David at that time, broke broke the command of God in that he was, as the king, he was called by God in Deuteronomy 17 to follow all of the law. The king was required to know the law and to know how to follow it so that he would bring a blessing not only upon his own life but on the nation as a whole. But he had broken that command and yet Christ is the king who obeyed all of God's commands. What did he say? He he said, I didn't come to do away with the law but to what? Fulfill the law. And so we see him as king. We know him as the priests who were carrying the ark of God. He is our great high priest as described in Hebrews 5. But we can also see Christ in what happened to Uzzah as well. And yet we see this man who presumptuously 
reaches out his hand to touch the ark of God and receives the penalty of that sin. And yet Christ, we see, who keeps the law of God perfectly, who lives the life that we should have lived, keeping all of God's commands, but then dying a death and receiving the wrath of God as if he had broken every command. And then when we look at his life and we trust in his life and his death, that's when we can enter in to spiritual praise. Now notice I haven't dwelt too much on the spirited part because, see, the spirited part comes after all of these things. Just like uh, Greg said, it's not about how we feel or our emotions. That guides us. No, it's once we have this proper perspective of God, we see ourselves in the light of him, and then we see uh, ourselves and God in the light of Christ and what Christ has done, that we enter into spiritual praise. And then when we realize what God has done, that's when the energy comes. That's when the animation comes, because that's when... What we have to share can't be contained by ourselves. It has to be presented to others. In Zephaniah chapter 3, God is speaking to the nation of Israel and speaks firstly about the judgment that's going to come on Jerusalem and the nations. And then he talks about the conversion of the nations in in chapters or verses 9 through 13. And then at the end of that chapter, at the end of this book of Zephaniah, God begins to talk about Israel's joy and the restoration that he is going to bring to Israel. And, And this is verse 20, where he, this is the very last verse. It says, at that time will I bring you again, even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth, when I turn back your captivity before your eyes, says the Lord. And so our praise isn't merely just our song. It's our lives. A name and a praise. And so that praise, obviously, is a life that is led in obedience to God. And so whether we are in this house and actually singing or we are at work or in school, or at home, whatever it is, God is calling us through his word and being led by his spirit to obey him so that our very lives would be a praise to him. And I was thinking about this. I didn't share this with the last class, but one thing that I was thinking about and and that's very interesting is that we sometimes or, or you find people in the church sometimes singing one thing and doing something else at home. And so there's no life that backs up what they are singing about or praising God about. And I thought about this in the secular world, and, and I, particularly about rappers. You, you, off, you hear the things or, or know of the things that they rap about, whether it's sex, drugs, money, all of these other things. And yet the most successful ones, if you think about success being all the money, all the notoriety, all these things that we know are not true success, but the most successful ones have lives that back up what they're singing. Think about it. 
what successful rapper do you know that goes home to his wife, kids, his two cars in the driveway, has a nice quiet life, is found at home every night, can, uh, is not arrested for gun running or anything like that? What successful rapper have you heard? Because there is something that says that what we sing about needs to be backed up by something. And so if those guys were seen as being quote-unquote soft, I don't think too many people would be buying their CDs or downloading their MP3s. But in the same way, if we don't have a life that backs up with what we are singing, others will not experience the life-changing power of God. We won't experience the life-changing power of God, but then we won't have anything that represents God in this generation. And I think that ties into even what some of you might have learned in your music with a mission, that if we are truly praising God, there are others that are going to come. And as we were um, looking this morning at at, at Psalm 96, um, one of the notes in my Bible uh, said that genuine praise includes a testimony to others of God's plan of redemption. Genuine praise. And so if we are genuinely praising God, if we are spiritual in what we are doing, then we are obeying God on a day-to-day basis. If you are a young person in here and you are under your parents' roof, for you that means my favorite verse in the Bible in my home, Ephesians 6.1. (laughs) Children, obey your parents in the Lord. You show me a spiritual young person, you show me an obedient young person. Amen? (laughs) You can't be spiritual and disobedient. And in the same way, we as God's people, we can't call ourselves spiritual no matter how spirited our praise is and how much we jump around and no matter how much we lead people uh, supposedly into the presence of God if we go home and are, are doing our own thing. God has called us to obedience. We're going to end in John chapter 4, and you know the story of the woman at the well. And Jesus is speaking to her, and she is surprised by what she's speaking, what he's speaking to her, in that he identifies who he is. Verse 25, she says, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And in verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And so at that moment, she had a choice to make. She saw God for who he was because he had revealed to her that I know you don't have you the you don't you've had five husbands the man you're living with right now is not I mean he told he ran a rap sheet and yet in that moment he did not condemn her to hell but he said I am he I am the one who was to come so what does she do Verse 28, it says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into the town. Notice that what she had come to do, she forgot about completely. She had come to get some water, but this moment in time was so important to her that she dropped the water. The water wasn't important anymore, 
And because she had experienced that change, what did she do? She went into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. And I'm sure the people in that town knew. In 424, Jesus said to the woman, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Not with spirit necessarily. In spirit. In spirit. And so as I was preparing all of this, this statement um, came to mind as as sort of just a a wrap-up to everything that uh, we've looked at and and everything that I've sort of learned and, and thought about in preparing this. And it says this, and this is something that I wrote. It's not in the Bible or anything like that. So take it for what it's worth. It says, the tree of praise springs from the seed of salvation, is rooted in the soil of God's word, is nourished by spirit-led obedience. Another brother from a previous class actually noted this to me as well, and I've added this, is pruned by the spirit of God and bears the fruit of eternal life. I will. <laughs> Two more times. And then after that, you'll have to come and copy it yourself. <laughs> says the tree of praise. And when we think about trees, that's what we can see. But we know that that's just what we can see, that there was an origin for it. It came from something that was put underground. Springs from the seed of salvation is rooted in the soil of God's word, is nourished by spirit-led obedience, is pruned by the Spirit of God, and bears the fruit of eternal life. And I'll repeat it one more time. (laughs) The tree of praise springs from the seed of salvation, is rooted in the soil of God's word, is nourished by spirit-led obedience, is pruned by the Spirit of God and bears the fruit of eternal life. And this is something, actually, I thought about as I was sharing with the other class. What tree enjoys its own fruit? Do you see a tree? Do you see an apple tree eating apples? (laughs) No, it's for others to come and to enjoy. And so, yes, we experience the eternal life, but our lives should bear fruit so that others might be able to have an experience with that life as well. We are called to be a praise to God in the earth. Not just to sing praises, but to be a praise. And that comes in being obedient to to what God has called us to. And now, obviously, we are here in music ministry in some form or fashion. And so for us, within the ministry itself, there are things that we are called to do. Uh, Depending on what ministry you are called to be in, you are called to be at prayer at a certain time. You are called to be at rehearsal at 630. (laughs) 
not to think I can show up at 7 because that's when rehearsal really starts. I mean, we have devotion and praise and worship and all that stuff. That takes up the whole half hour. I just want to come and rehearse. No, it starts at 6.30. We've been called and, and asked to do certain things. And not one person here was forced to be here. <laughs> and none of us ha- are even deserving necessarily of being here. But we have said to God and then to those in leadership here that I want to be a part of what God is doing. And so I agree to do what you have asked me to do. And if that means being at a certain place at a certain time, and see, you can be there, but God knows if you're really there. (laughs) That's another class. (laughs) But fully there, in body and in spirit, all right? I'm called to be at certain places at certain times. I'm asked to listen to different instructions that are given, whether I like the person or not, whether I agree with what they're telling me or not. All of those things are things that you have agreed to by being a part of this ministry. And so if we are going to be a praise to those that we minister to, we first have to see that we are walking in obedience to what God has prescribed. And those are the leaders that he set out, set over us. Spirited or not, not spirited, but when we're spirited, it means that we are sharing and we are living out. We are animating the word of God so that his word is seen through us and through our lives. Others will take note. And those that God calls will experience his eternal life. Amen? We can't be perfectly obedient. But God requires perfect obedience. But where's that perfect obedience found but in Christ? And so our faith is in Christ and his obedience. And, but at the same time, some people will say or use, I'm not perfect as an excuse. And so while we're not perfect in our obedience, we're purposed in our obedience. All right? And so it's purposeful obedience. And know that at the end of the day, he hasn't called us to do holy. (laughs) He hasn't called us to do holy. What has he called us to do? Be holy, which we aren't, which means that there has to be a complete nature change that only comes by the word of God, by his spirit, and ultimately it's the work that he will complete. We can't do holy. (laughs) We're called to be holy. Take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope and pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. We also hope you'll join the conversation online because Music with a Mission doesn't end here. Check out TSC Music on Facebook to share your thoughts and get regular updates, or follow us on Twitter for live tweets during every podcast interview. You can even tweet your questions for our podcast guests by using the hashtag MWMPodcast. And of course, you can always email us at music at timesquarechurch.org. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music. Produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas. Mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn. And I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco. 
Coming up next week, we've got more from our recent TSC Music Ministry Workshop. And remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Derek Davis. Join us next time on Music with a Mission.